0: Welcome in. It is another episode of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. You can find him on X at the real underscore G. Warner. Uh, you can find me on X at A.J. Is The Real. So, uh, Griffin, how are you, my friend? It's uh, great to see you here on a fine Thursday evening. Yeah, you know, it's weird with
1: no NFL this weekend, so maybe we can have... Maybe we'll uh, double our listenership. Everyone will be hanging on all of our picks, leans, write-ups, whatever we're doing out there, and you know that we're real because it is in both of our X or Twitter or X Twitter handles.
0: It's got to be real then. Um, I'll say this. The college basketball scheduling folks knew that there was no NFL this weekend, and they said, Ah. you know what? Let's put some games up, boys, and man, they did. So we have a nice slate of games to go over. I don't think there's a dud in the group, to be honest. And I'll, when I was uh, putting together what four games we were going to talk about, I had to like, I had to cross out uh, UConn at St. John's, and I was like, oh, that's a good game, and then no, it, it didn't make the cut. It did not make the cut. That's how good this slate is. So So uh, different than, uh, let's
1: say, the Christmas episodes uh, or Hanukkah episodes or whatever uh, we're calling those. Yeah,
0: we're only talking about three games this week (laughs) because there's there's not four games worth mentioning. Yeah, we got plenty of good stuff this weekend, so let's jump into it. And uh, we'll start off by saying right now as we record this episode, it is 8 o'clock Pacific time where I'm at. It's 10 o'clock where Griffin's at. And we are one and oh on our best bets from last pod. And you're saying one and oh, how's that possible? My best bet is still in action. Um, so we don't know the result yet. You're gonna have to wait, it's gonna be a surprise. Um, if Oregon covers two points, then we will be a two and zero pod. If not, like usual, we'll be one and one, which seems to be the uh, the standard around here. So, but there's not an zero and two. I can tell you that much. Not an zero and two. Uh, so, well done, Griffin. As Indiana got a nice win at Iowa, the return of of Cleo Ware, so a uh, a welcome sign for the Hoosiers.
1: Hoo, hoo, Hoosiers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into this slate and let's start. I know you're gonna be you're gonna be taken aback by some of these
1: numbers
0: (laughs) so let's discuss what the line what 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 you thought the line would be what I'm projecting the line to be and let's look at what Ken Palm has to say Um, my favorite game of looking embarrassed
1: getting embarrassed on uh, national radio I I don't think you should be embarrassed by
0: this because like chances are good you I mean it's still possible you're right to be honest I, I like uh I think you the other day you sent like a recap of what my thoughts were versus what they actually were and there was a couple where I was like off by two points like it's not I mean I, I'm no wizard at this this is just like the my best my best take on what I've seen the market do with certain teams what I've seen the market do with home teams and certain conferences and and what the analytics sites are saying um but we're going to project Houston minus 2 at Kansas for the purpose of this podcast, and your projection was—it was at was Kansas minus two.
1: Kansas minus uh, might even be higher than that. Sorry, I was not. I thought I thought
0: you were going to read that, rally it off. I had Kansas minus four, baby. Okay, so you had Kansas minus four. Yep. Uh, Kenneth Pomeroy has Houston minus five at go. Kansas. Mm. I think I'm kind of split in the middle here with Houston minus 2. I I mean I if this if this came out as a pick, it wouldn't shock me what I don't think is that I, I don't think Kansas is going to be favored. Um but I may be wrong. I, and if I am wrong, then man, it, it's uh it, it's it's certainly telling of how important home court is because the analytic I mean Houston's number 1 in Ken Palm. Kansas is fifteenth in Ken Palm. There's a pretty big gap between these two teams in the analytics. But let's talk about the matchup itself. And I again, I want to be fully transparent here and say I don't have a great feel for what this line will be. Like, it's rare that you and I are so far off on our guesses. Um, but so again, I, I again I could have egg on my face on this. But let's talk about this Kansas team who. I mean, clearly we know fog is like the secret weapon and they just, they dominate on that court. Uh, I think was it TCU that almost beat them there to like the early in the season. And since then it's just been like, uh they, they take care of business at home and they've struggled on the road. Um, they They started with the central Florida loss and then like, West Virginia you're not supposed to even you're I know it's hard to win on the road you're not supposed to lose at West Virginia like they, they're like the worst team in the conference um they, they then they lost at Iowa state, which i don't I don't know that there's any harm in that uh but they are back home here and we get this Houston team that only got two losses, both came on the road at Iowa State at TCU both were very competitive games. Uh, and they just had a very competitive game on the road at Texas where they got an overtime win. And I mean, this is a this is a tough team to knock off. My worry with this team is they have inconsistent shooting. And they are terrible at the free throw line. And I think eventually that's going to cost them games and it may cost them a, a game here in what's what should be a pretty close matchup uh and you know the whistle is probably going to favor the Jayhawks.
1: Uh what makes you say that AJ?
0: Was it 20 years of the Big 12 or however long it's been uh, running? Something like that. Yeah, the Big mm. 12 loves for Kansas to win. That's what they I do. know. They, they love do. for Kansas to win. Um but as I as I look at this this Houston team, it's like it's hard to find where the consistent offense is going to come from. And like Shed will have his nights and Cryer will have his and Emmanuel Sharp will have his. But I don't know that there's anybody who you can count on night in and night out. Now, Kansas has a different issue. They've got, I think I've talked about this before on this pod. They might have the best one-two punch in college basketball, like with their top two players. Because Kevin McCuller, I, I think, it, I think is the best two-way player in the country. And then Hunter Dickinson, if you take out Zach Eady. Is probably the best big man in the country. The rest of their team is just not very good, though. <laughs> so I, I think, like in Houston's case, when when you you need to make shots, you have you're going up against a great wing defender, and there's a giant down low uh, who is is looking to block shots and and make things tough on you and and basically eating up every rebound. It makes it hard for me to to trust Houston to score enough on the road, particularly enough to cover uh here. So as much as I love this Cougars team, I, I think that them being favored in by Ken Palm in every game going forward is maybe a little optimistic. And I, I think a lot of their like their defense is so good. And their style of play leans to it it covers up a little bit of their offensive shortcomings. But I think in a game like this, like I said, where the whistles will probably be against them uh, and and I I worry about their shooting, I think this is a game that that could bite them here. So if there's a plus or a pick next to Kansas, I I think I'm going to be on the Jayhawks. I, I think the Jayhawks win this game.
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard to me, for me to avoid. I think uh, I was looking actually when you told me the number uh, that you were going to give uh, earlier. I think I, I looked to see when Kansas was last a home underdog. And I, there might have been in like a COVID year where there are underdogs at home to Baylor, but I don't remember that. Maybe like a Buddy heeled time when OU was getting all the press of the world. Uh, There's also the rumors that uh, when an Ohio State team was in the fog, but Jared Solinger ended up missing the game. And so I think Kansas ended up moving from an underdog to a favorite. I'd be very surprised to see Houston as a, as a favorite here, but I guess um, since you're projecting it, since that's what Kenneth Pomeroy, the uh, Salt Lake City weatherman has, then I got nothing to do, but uh, I'm not a variance guy. I'm usually just trying to put numbers out there that I expect to see from the marketplace. So it's not really my number necessarily, but clearly I'm way off in that expectation for now that I look back on is probably a little bit steep considering the uh, inconsistency of the Kansas Jayhawks. But at home, I don't know who's going and laying points on the road there. Uh, I, well,
0: I mean, I, I think to your point, remember, they hosted UConn this season, and I think they were three-point favorites. The Like the defending national champion UConn Husky, Huskies, they were a three-point favorite over them.
1: May, I mean, maybe KU has deteriorated their ranking since then. I mean, I guess that has based on the ranking systems and where they sit 15th, as you mentioned. But – I mean, they're still, to me, like, it's it's hard to say because beginning of the year, you don't have teams that, especially with the transfer portal and people being able to move basically on, on a whim. Um, I feel like there's what used to be college basketball is everyone would play together for a while. And you knew what you're getting, no matter if it was beginning of the year or end of the year. Um, certainly, you'd get better playing together with that same team uh, later in that same season. But usually there was some, like... I guess congen, not congeniality, but some congealing that would occur. I guess if that's the right word of from the season before, whether you're losing guys or not. Um, I, you know, it's weird to me to see Houston as a favorite here, but I guess I mean they've been favored in so many games now. Uh, I was against them at TCU and against them at Iowa State. Those backwards, but first two uh, road games of their of their Big Twelve life, and uh, that went fairly well, but they were very close games, as you mentioned. Uh, I think Iowa State was a little bit less close, but was close for a very long time. And then TCU was like kind of a final minute. We saw Houston get, I think, hack shacked at BYU um, in the last minute when uh, it was tie game. And Mark Pope said, since they're in the, the last foul of the one and ones, they the ball got to to I think Roberts or Francis, one of the one of the two, whoever shoots fifty three percent from the line. He came in, made the first front end of the one and one put Houston up and then BYU had a really, really tough day to the last minute or so, though they were trailing most of the game. I think in this situation, it's a little bit different. I think Kansas would probably be way too proud to do that type of thing. Can't see Bill Self doing a -a hack-a-shack in a tie game. Really not sure I'd see any college basketball coach in the world doing that, but I guess Mark Pope thought he was super smart that day. Um, what I have kind of had as my theory about Houston is that they are very physical and it works in the NCAA tournament It works really well at home. It doesn't really work on the road, especially in a place where KU just gets all the calls and has gotten all the calls for a very, very long time. Um, I think what the way I think I, I've now figured out Houston, or at least the way that I expect them to play is that Jamal Shedd is someone I trust, uh, LJ Cryer is just very inconsistent. I don't really know what to expect from him. Speaking of that BYU game, I literally just watched it before coming on. So it's very clear and, and fresh in the mind. But he shot really well that game. And then Houston's very hard to beat. They still barely hung on. And like I said, we're tied in the last minute. Um, but I feel like Houston is going to be very tough and physical on KU. And I think KU might struggle with that. Cause I don't think Hunter Dickinson is really that tough of a guy. He's just seven foot two and bigger than everybody. Uh, in this case, he will be again, but I think the physicality will bother him. Uh, but now he's kind of a perimeter seven foot-two player as well, shooting yep. threes and stuff. So uh Houston doesn't have that. I feel like Houston if they had a little bit more shooting or their bigs were a little bit more capable offensively, I feel like they would be a slam dunk number one team. Um, and I guess the analytics, I guess they don't need that because they're already good enough according to those various websites. But um, I think that's the biggest question for me and something that will make it very hard for me to lay off Kansas as a pick 'em or better um, as a favorite. It might be a little bit easier for me to lay off, but at the same time, I feel like I, I've had a pretty good run this year. I think I'm over 30 units on on pregame so far above 60%. So my whole strategy has been find home teams. Usually they're not this cheap unless there's something wrong with the home team or the road team is really good. And I think these teams are similar enough that I like Kansas as a dog or even a slight favorite to, to be honest.
0: Okay. So it feels like we're, uh, we're kind of on the same page here. This is a spot where we don't want to back the Cougs. All right. Let's get into Duke and North Carolina. Always a fun game. And we are projecting the Tar Heels as, uh, what did I tell you, about a three-point favorite here, four-point favorite? Yeah, I was, um, I was
1: thinking three. You gave, let's see, you gave something around there. Yeah, you, actually, you you gave me UNC minus five. I was thinking UNC minus four.
0: Let's do UNC minus four. For these okay. purposes, okay. I think that's probably more right. Uh, although we do see a lot of shading to the home team, I think Duke usually in this matchup t- ends up taking money in the Duke uh, North Carolina matchup. I would agree. Yes, both ways um, I feel like they do. So let's 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 call it four. And this is an interesting matchup. Um, this is like strength on streak. Uh, the Duke offense against the UNC defense. Um, and the question is like. In my mind, I think a good place to start is, um, what do you think happens in this this matchup of Bigs? Filipowski is able to dominate so many guys in in this conference. Um, how do you think he does matched up against this UNC front court that has a lot of beef and is not going to be pushed around? Um, and then, I, I guess the other question is, like, I think one of the the bigger issues that you're going to see in this game. Is that like North Carolina? Just they're not getting the extra possessions that they used to. Duke doesn't turn the ball over at all hardly this season. North Carolina's not creating turnovers. Um, That always scares me in a matchup like this. Like I feel like you need to you need to in these close games where these these teams know each other so well. I think you have to force some turnovers, and I I haven't seen North Carolina really do it this season. Um, and my, and the reason why I think that's a concern is North Carolina gets so many extra possessions because of offensive rebounding typically, but this Duke team is a, they're a very good defensive rebounding team. I, I think that they may at least, I, I think at least wash out UNC's or excuse me, uh, UNC's strength on the offensive board. So, uh, I, I think we may have like a, a similar amount of possessions here. And if that's the case, I, I, I kind of lean to Duke, but the truth is, I'm so tired of betting against North Carolina. <laughs> I, I mean, these guys are just, they're really freaking good. And there's been multiple times this season where like, ah, they're not as good as, as the market thinks they are. And then it, they they lose a game to Georgia Tech on Tuesday. I, I, I mean, Georgia Tech is one of the most in- insane things that you'll find in this season. Georgia Tech is 3-7 and seven in conference play. They're three wins are Duke, North Carolina, and at Clemson. I, I don't even know how that's possible. That those, Mighty Mouse, like, baby. The, I mean, they, they show up for the big games, and, and kudos to them, but that's a game that North Carolina can't lose. And it, it, if they hadn't lost that game, I think, I'd, I think I'd have to go into this game feeling very confident they were going to take care of Duke at home. No, and normally I'd say, well, coming off a bad loss, I want to back that team. But again, this is a team that I've been trying to like poke holes in what they are all season long. Somebody just like cut a giant gash in them. They lost to one of the worst teams in the conference. It makes me feel like I'm all of a sudden validated and like, oh, oh, see, North Carolina isn't that good. But so long story short, I'm terrified to bet on or against North Carolina at this point. Where's your head at with this team? Uh, and what are you thinking about Duke right now as I mean Duke we talked about them against Virginia Tech they went to Virginia Tech and and really kind of dominated uh, the Hokies away from home which is a, it's, that's, a that's a really nice win uh, where, where are you at with these two teams right now? I have no idea uh two, two
1: coaches <laughs> that I don't really trust uh, that I feel like don't deserve the job deserve the jobs they have. Um, but are, you know, faking it till they make it. And eventually the quality of player will potentially get them a contract extension. But and you hopefully- have
0: to admit, Huber H- 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 Davis is doing so much better this year than he did in his first two years. Like, he- it feels like a different guy.
1: Yeah, Coach of the Year is first year, actually, Um, all because of a ridiculous NCAA tournament run fueled by a one seed that was missing three players or in their starting lineup, it felt like, plus uh, very fortunate uh, draws, I think, 15 seeds and things of that nature. But, you know, hey, uh, banners hang forever or something. You can't take (laughs) that trophy away from Hubert Davis unless you break into his house, which I'm not advocating by anyone listening to this podcast. Um, I think North Carolina has been tough. I mean, life is about timing and I feel like I've not done a great job timing my fades for either of these teams so far. Um, I feel like, I mean, coming into this year, imagine what this line would have been even at UNC. I, I don't, I, I don't think anyone had much faith in North Carolina they've played really well. No. Harrison Ingram's come in from Stanford, a great transfer. Cormac Ryan somehow, uh, I don't know what he does really, but he shoots threes, I guess, or at least is a threat to do so. Um, I might've been addition by subtraction, just getting Caleb love out of there. Maybe that was as simple as it was. Um, I do feel like I prefer Duke on the interior. I like Filipowski better than I like Baycott. I think he's more dynamic has more offensive ability and Duke just seems to get better recruits than UNC as shocking as it is to me. It's just something I've, I've learned to to accept. Um, I think from um, a, a betting standpoint in this game, since that's why most people are listening to this podcast rather than just to see our beautiful faces, uh, I, I think I'm, again, going to be interested in the home court here, but I'm pretty cautious on how big this number gets, and I don't know what number it necessarily would take for me to want to back Duke, but I, I feel like any sort of favorite here is just a very big Maybe not overreaction, but certainly reaction how UNC has played this year. And I'm not sure I necessarily believe them to be as strong as what, to, to me, maybe a very weak ACC makes them look. And let's not forget, they so they lost to Georgia Tech midweek. I think on uh, Saturday last weekend, we're trailing Florida State for a long time. So they're potentially leaking some oil here. Uh, yes, it's a huge, huge rivalry, but Duke has owned this for a while, it feels. And I feel like Duke is really good at going and winning in Chapel Hill as well. So um, us against the world certainly can motivate a lot of teams. Um, I would be very cautious with UNC plays as this number gets to three and above. Uh, I feel like if it's in that zero to pick them to three range, that's probably there's some value on UNC there. I just don't know if it's enough for me to want to pull the trigger, um, though it's a game that I think everyone who likes college basketball watches every year.
0: Yeah, and part of like a reason, another reason why I don't want to back Duke here. If you look back on their schedule, they lost back to back road games this season at Arkansas and at Georgia Tech. And in in hindsight, like neither one of those teams are good. Like those are bad losses on the road. Um, uh, the Arkansas one is certainly not
1: aging well as their no, point guard at is the time. There, I was like, oh. center is apparently not playing with a knee soreness or something, you know?
0: Yeah. At the time it's like, okay, road loss at Arkansas, no big deal. Yep. But man, I mean, it, now it's like, oh, that, that's bad. <laughs> like uh, everybody beats, everybody's, and not just beats Arkansas, like they're stomping Arkansas on their court. I still think back to what Auburn, Auburn went to uh, Arkansas and beat them by like 35 points, which I I, I can't, it's, it would have been impossible. Like, I, I don't know what I would have laid to say that, Arkansas is going to lose a home game by 30 plus I would have said oh I'll, I'll give you 15 to 1 and I would I'd be broke uh yeah, that so was, that was one of my uh 40 percent losers on the college
1: basketball season at pregame and I think that was the uh nail in the coffin for me being like what the heck has happened to this Arkansas team to the point where I finally got, almost got back in them last night and their win on the road of Missouri <laughs> and I was too scared to do it because I was like I don't know what's the deal is with this team because unfortunately we're reaching the point of the season. It's February first, recording this coming out February second. Like some of these teams hate each other at this point, and trying to figure out who those are uh, is going to be really hard. Maybe if somebody has a TikTok, maybe that'd be the best way to figure it out. But like that happens, I don't know if necessarily the team has quit type stuff. But there is some chemistry, and there's good chemistry, and there's bad chemistry. And if you can find it out, I would love to do it. Hit me up on Twitter or AJ, and we will find a way to figure that out.
0: All right, uh, you're talking about Arkansas, so let's stay in the SEC, where, as you know, Griffin, it just means more. I can't wait Um, to
1: find out.
0: Yeah, and we've got two teams coming off losses, which I think both were pretty big surprise losses. Uh, We're going to go with Tennessee at Kentucky. I'm going to project this a pick. Uh, Mr. Pomeroy has Kentucky as a two-point home dog um I cannot imagine that would be the case although I mean Kentucky just lost a home game to Florida Kentucky lost at home this season to UNC Wilmington um those aren't great things but then (laughs) Tennessee just lost at home to South Carolina Tennessee never loses at home but to lose at home to South Carolina is like I was that was a head scratcher for me so I'm gonna I'm just gonna play it safe and call this a pick uh, first of all, I'll ask you which one of those results is more shocking to you. Which one is is more worrisome, and uh, and how do you think these two teams match up? What do you think the uh, wh- what's the difference maker here?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I think I'm more surprised by Tennessee
0: losing any home games. I think uh, unless it's
1: against one of the team that has a bunch of other pro- professional basketball players, I guess beyond the NIL currently, but who will play in the league, um. I think Kentucky has shown that they are very young this year, which is different. Uh, I think Coach Cal is finally back to getting his five stars or whatevers, and um, they probably will be a lot better a month from now than they are today, but they're a lot better now than they were to start the season when they lost to teams like the UNC Wilmington Seahawks, uh, if I'm right on that nickname. I think I am, but I might not. Be. You are. Anyway great and i I feel like in this situation and with most tennessee games i really want to back them at home but they're always a gigantic favorite uh and then i look to be against them away and when i'm betting against them the way it is a heart attack because unfortunately they go through these incredible droughts but then they also come back to their kind of relatively low for a really good team but Sort of average type of shooting numbers, and their defense just lights up when they start making shots. So that's my biggest concern for any time getting involved with Tennessee because it's usually I'm on the opposing side, and that's a scary thing. Uh, I feel like I was expecting Kentucky to be a a bigger favorite than a pick 'em, but um, certainly circumstances can't explain. And Tennessee, I think, is probably the better team on a neutral. Uh, but that's going to be a really tough stadium to go into and find a way to win. Uh, so I, I think I'm most interested in Kentucky because of the venue, but I'm also interested in fading Tennessee, because I just don't think that their shooting is good enough. It hasn't been in, over the last four or five years of Rick Barnes having top 10 teams. And he's – I mean, when he was a Texas head coach, and I went to f- four years of his games – I, there was never a doubt defensively, but it's always been an offensive thing. His random ball screen offense just doesn't really seem to do it. And I think away from home in a really tough environment, I'll be looking to the home pick or what I would expect to be a home favorite.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in, I, I don't know, Tennessee's tough because I'm with you. Like historically, you think of these Barnes teams, and you're like, oh, they they just can't. They're not good on offense. You know, they're going to shut it down on defense. And obviously, they're still way better defensively than offensively. But this is one of the better offensive teams that Barnes has had in Tennessee. And like Dalton Connect is, that dude's a player, uh, and he's he's shooting forty percent from three. Uh, Zachai Ziegler is shooting like thirty three percent from three. He's been a decent shooter this season, like. They're better on offense than I remember these ten. Than I remember a Rick Barnes Tennessee team being. They're playing more up tempo than I remember a Rick Barnes team playing. Um, my big concern, and I- I'm with you. Like if this was on a neutral, I don't have any doubt that Tennessee is the better team. Like I-, I, I, I think Kentucky by the end of the season can be really good. And these two teams play in t- in Knoxville at the end of the season, which is going to be an awesome game. I think. Because I think Kentucky, like you said, so young, they're going to keep getting better as the season goes on. But the the one thing that every time I watch Kentucky, I'm like, man, these guys, they don't care about rebounding at all. (laughs) Like, they're just not interested in doing it. And Mm -hmm. that's fine and good when you make all your shots. And right now, Kentucky, is they're shooting 40% as a team from three, which is incredible. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole knock on Kentucky was last year was they don't have anybody who can shoot. And uh, my, how, how that's changed. Yes, and yes. most, mostly thanks to Antonio Reeves and, and Reed Shepard, who's apparently the he's Steph Curry. He's shooting 54% mm. from three on the season, yes. the best three point shooter in the country. Uh, Rob Dillingham been a good shooter as well, but I, I worry that there's going to be some sort of regression on that. And when a team doesn't care about rebounding, all it takes is like one off shooting day. And if anybody, if any team is capable of defensively giving you an off shooting day, feels like it would be Tennessee. So I, I think I'm actually going to lean to the Vols here on the road. I'm with you. Normally I think it's, I think it's wise to to fade Tennessee away from home, but I think they're catching the, I think they're catching Kentucky here at a time where maybe they're a little bit vulnerable, uh they also lost to South Carolina just a bit ago they they didn't exactly look great against Arkansas I, I they I know they didn't cover in that game at Arkansas mm-hmm. so I, I'm gonna go I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the Tennessee Vols here if I can get a pick them um or if I, I I get any kind of plus which I, I guess is possible as well depending on how much uh how, how much value they give to home court here so uh, I think I'm going to be on the opposite side of this one. But, again, I, I think it's a tough it's a tough game to call. It's certainly the game – I think it's the game at the top of my list of games I want to watch this weekend, though. I
1: I think it's going to answer a lot of questions on – I mean, not definitively, but it would be a good feather in a cap if Tennessee can get this win. And if they can show some offense, I think Santiago Vescovi is, is one of the biggest uh, home road splits type of guys. Or just really when Tennessee's good, he's making shots. When they're not good, he's not. And I feel like Dillingham's a pretty good matchup to, to kind of minimize the speed of Zekai Ziegler, who's usually able to get by everyone. And Dillingham's, I think, got six inches on him. So that should be helpful, but not a lot a lot different in speed categories. I, I'm just probably going to watch and see this one most likely. But um, I think Tennessee, I mean, if they could get this win, I, I feel like that would raise them into power rankings.
0: All right, let's uh let's look at our last game and we're going to go to the West Coast Conference and we'll talk Gonzaga who we haven't talked a lot about this season. Why they not? Ha- <laughs> well, they haven't been same old Gonzaga, although mm. looks like maybe they're they're figuring some things out. Uh they've won 5 straight now. They 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 lost at Santa Clara by one. Um but remember we talked about this earlier like they never lose at home and they've lost a home game to San Diego State this year. Well, they're at home here. They're playing St. Mary's. And speaking of playing better ball right now, I mean St. Mary's is a juggernaut. They've won nine straight games. Remember early in the season, it was like, Oh yes, man, is this team is, is this team's not nearly as good as we thought they were? And somehow they beat New Mexico they beat the shit out of New Mexico. And that was like one of the games that I win against them and then after they beat new mexico they lost like 5 out of the next 6 or 5 out of the next 7 games they just fell apart i was like what is this team now we're starting to see what they are and they're pretty damn good and uh the the things that jumped off the page to me for them or now obviously the, this this conference there's haves and have-nots and and really these these are the two that have the most Gonzaga and and St. Mary's, but like that next tier is probably, I I think clearly like San Francisco, Santa Clara and Loyola. And they've gone on all three of those road trips and taking care of business away from home against all three of those teams. And now I'm like, okay, this team is serious. Now, are they going to be able to do that against this Gonzaga team? That is the interesting question here. Um, this is a Gonzaga team that I, I don't. I mean, I, the metrics say th- this isn't the truth, but I'm just going to tell you what I've seen from them. I think Gonzaga is a better defensive team than offensive team this year, um, which is just something that we're just not who they've been for a long it's time. Not who they've been ever. Uh, and I think the reason why I'm a little down on their offense is they just don't have any shooters. They don't have a guy who can like who can take over the game from outside. Um, honestly. I, I, when I think about who the, the good shooters on Gonzaga are, I, I, I guess Nolan Hickman's probably their top guy, but one of their more consistent shooters has been uh, Braden Huff. And it it's like, I don't know how real that is. I don't know if he's supposed to be a good shooter. So every time a shot goes in for him, I'm like, that's interesting. Uh, is that supposed to work? I don't know. So I don't know... Um, so I, I don't know. If I want to trust this Gonzaga team as a favorite, and by the way, we're projecting them as a five-point favorite uh, against a St. Mary's team that is has proven that they can go on the road and win games, and I, like they won at Colorado State, they've they've won every tough road game they've played this season. The only loss that they had, uh, w- like, and it wasn't even uh, a real away game because it wasn't on campus, was to Boise State. They lost by three. Uh, in like a weird semi-neutral game right. against Boise, and then they lost a couple neutral games to San Diego State and Xavier. Those games weren't particularly close, but like I said, that was during that stretch where it was just there was weird results, and I, I don't think I don't think this team had figured it out yet. Um, this one of the biggest knocks I think I've had on Gonzaga this season is, I mean. They only play like six guys, any real minutes. Like they, they, they are terrified of their bench. There's no depth on this team, but this might be a game where it doesn't really matter because St. Mary's is kind of the same. Uh, St. Mary's two eighty seventh in bench minutes. So they, they don't use, they're not looking to go deep either. And I would imagine in this game, they only put their best guys out there. Like both these teams just want to trust their guys. Um, so I'll ask I'll, I'll pass it to you as I've kind of vamped here and I I don't have a firm side that I want to be on. I don't want to bet against Gonzaga in the Kennel again. Uh but I'll ask you if is there anything I'm missing here that that interests you in the dog or is the home court here enough for the Zags? Uh, at five points, it is too
1: much for the Zags. I think, okay. uh, I, I think we have the Spider-Man meme with two teams that can't shoot threes pointing at each other, uh, um, <laughs> in, in various different blues and reds, um, which I think works for the color schemes of these teams. Anyway, uh, the Kennel is a tough place to play. San, or excuse me, San Diego state went there and got a big win though. They've kind of, uh, cooled off significantly away from home and, From a St. Mary's perspective, I mean, they were kind of a surprise favorite in the West Coast Conference based on preseason lines that I was looking at and trying to figure out and try to understand that. And uh, I think winning 14 out of 15 after a really slow start to the year has kind of made me at first laughing at the line. And now I'm like very scared of, of being against St. Mary's. Um, I've, I think I played St. Uh, Santa Clara in that week stretch where they had Gonzaga and then St. Mary's at home, and you could argue that there was some sort of celebratory factor in the blowout loss of St. Mary's after upsetting Gonzaga. But St. Mary's has been destroying everyone that I've been betting against them, and uh, uh, I I don't know necessarily what has what f- I, I guess flit. Uh, Switch has flicked or, or something of that oh, I, nature, but or flipped. Good. I think I can tell you,
0: I can give you like a pretty simple explanation. So, on the season, St. Mary's is a thirty two percent three point shooting team. Since conference play started, they're thirty eight point two percent. So, like they're they played. The, the question is, is that what they is that the truth of what they are? Is that sustainable? I I, I for one think it's probably not sustainable particularly in, in a road environment like this. But they, again, they've, they've won in some pretty tough road environments.
1: Yeah, and when you compare Gonzaga, if we're going two for two here, then like they're less likely to shoot that 38%. I mean, I saw really good numbers yeah. at, at San Francisco from St. Mary's from three. Uh, also against Portland, which doesn't say too much to me. But uh, besides that, I feel like they're still pretty pedestrian. I mean, 33% at Santa Clara, uh, despite a dominant win. Um, right around that number at, at home against Pacific. Six of 21, even worse against Loyal Marymount. So like, I don't think there's a lot of three-point shots that go in this game. Maybe that's the, uh, that's the bet we look for. Some prop that says how many three-point shots made and then just pray against overtime. But I, I feel like St. Mary's um, in the most recent years, I feel like three point shooting has been a problem for them anyway. And they still were a four or five seed that lost to UConn. I think they were a five and UConn was the four last year in that first round game. And it was close until injuries hit. So to me, St. Mary's is really good. I think five points is um, that's a really scary zone for me. As we've talked about on this podcast, that was basically how I started college basketball betting many, many moons ago. And I've been trying to kind of veer off that path because uh, that foul range is really, really dangerous, especially for road teams. But I think anything above a possession, I'm very interested in St. Mary's just because I think this Gonzaga team, as you mentioned, if their defense is their best asset this year, I think it's because um, I'm not even sure how good that is. I think it's just their offense is that poor. And what I think the problem for Gonzaga is they're still going to have a bunch of big guys that St. Mary's are actually bigger than finally. And yeah. I think I like the back. I mean, maybe if Nemhard has a really big night for Gonzaga at home, which you'd expect that more there than anywhere else, but I just feel like he hasn't done it this season. Uh, one of the weirder, struggling transfers of anyone, I feel. And then. Um, you know, I just don't think there's a lot of studly, really talented players on this Gonzaga team. I feel like they have a bunch of fill-ins, and this might be the worst Gonzaga team we've seen in a while. So give me St. Mary's plus that five that you're projecting. Uh, really anything a three or bigger, I think I'm interested in the road team, which is probably I, shocking a lot of people right now.
0: <laughs> I think the hard thing for me is um, I was at the WCC championship game here last last season at the Orleans and I want to say Gonzaga was like a one or a two point favorite, and it was obvious from the tip that they were. And I I know that, I mean that was a Drew Timmy and and Julian Strawther team, but it wasn't just those two guys. I mean, it was it, like St. Mary's looked overwhelmed. They looked like they didn't belong on the floor. Aiden Mahaney, who was having such a fantastic season, I, I think he was like two of ten from the field. He was a total disaster, and it was like. They didn't. They. It felt like they shouldn't have been on the court with this team. It was like the varsity JV scrimmage, and I worry that in these spots, like maybe St. Mary's, and you know what, it might be a different St. Mary's team too, and and maybe they've overcome that. But man, I it felt like they were really intimidated, and I and that was on a neutral floor. So going into the kennel, it's just tough for me to. it's tough for me to give them that, that benefit of the doubt because it, it, that's just such a tough place to win. So uh, another interesting matchup for sure. All right, let's get into best bets. But before we do, Griffin, tell the people how they can save some money over at pregame.com.
1: Yes, the second of the four games we covered, Carolina basketball is a very important thing on the the giveaways portion of this podcast tonight. Use promo code CAROLINA15. Good for $15 off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast and it's only for you that are listening it's good for 7 days from the podcast release fortunately it's being in the month so i can do much easier math of uh, Two and a release date of Friday the 2nd. So you got till the 9th to use it. But this game is this weekend. Go save $15. We have monthly packages. We have rest of seasons. We have, I think, full year packages as well. AJ's, I'm sure, coming out with UFC stuff. I'm doing soccer as always. You can see the black uh, circles under my eyes because I never sleep anymore. (laughs) But I'm trying to fix that. But use the promo code CAROLINA15. A good way to get uh fifteen dollars off anything on the on the pregame.com website. And uh, there's a lot of picks coming up. We've got a Super Bowl coming as well.
2: Um, so go go throw that fifteen bucks in there and uh, we'll get a little bit of credit if you do use it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for.
0: Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine That reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, "Ah, I don't want to
2: go out of my way to do this. It's all online, it's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. I've been drinking AG one because for AG one quality, isn't just a buzzword. AG one's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality
0: Are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit, and there's a reason why I drink
2: it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com. That's drinkag1.com. Sov, check it out.
0: All right, so like I said, one and zero with one pending on mm. our best bets last week. Although Oregon up seven at halftime, so I, I'm not looking to. I'm not saying it's done yep, this week, not, especially. Uh, there was a lot of second half collapses, um, including. Oh, one a couple of the games that I had uh-huh. uh one of them featuring a team that, that you know what we'll talk about right now Griffin I'll let you take the honors here uh and you tell me who your best bet is for this week uh I'm going to stay
1: with those Georgia Bulldogs uh Dogs. dogs hoo. uh they had a very tough after I think it was a 17 oh. to 2 lead uh Last night, uh, my co-host actually texted me about how bad it was right as I was walking into a date, and I was like, oh, well, uh, fortunately, I'm going to get even poorer uh, when I pay for whatever the sushi meal I had in front of me. (laughs) But uh, I think I like this Georgia team, and I think that they will be even more focused upon extending that lead after such a ridiculous collapse to Alabama. Uh, different story here. I know that we've talked about South Carolina a little bit on this show. AJ has not exactly been a believer. I think I liked them, but I haven't found a place to back them yet. However, this time, I'm going to Georgia. I feel like UGA has actually gotten some sort of basketball interest all of a sudden. Their coach switched from Florida to Georgia. Really bizarre because Florida didn't want it anymore. But Mike White's done a good job at, at Georgia. He's got a lot more talent in his team And I think they're actually going to have a decent crowd show up and South Carolina to me, I think still needs to answer some questions, especially as you were projecting Georgia only a two point favorite. I'll play Georgia up to minus four. Uh, That'll be my best bet in an early one on Saturday afternoon.
0: All right. So for mine, I am going to go to Saturday as well. And this is, I'm going to go with Cornell minus three. I'm going to project at Harvard and This is a spot where I think we're going to take advantage of the unique scheduling in the Ivy. Both of these teams play on Friday. Cornell is at Dartmouth, who is the only really bad basketball team in the Ivy. They're they're 334th in Ken Palm. They're they're trash. Um, Cornell's an 11-point favorite, so I think they don't have to expend as much energy. They can probably dig into their bench a little bit. Meanwhile, Harvard is a five-point favorite Friday against Columbia. These two teams pretty evenly matched. Columbia gets that bad Dartmouth team on Saturday. So I think they're going to go balls out against Harvard tomorrow. Add in that Cornell is 12th nationally in bench minutes played. Harvard's 282nd. Cornell seems much more prepared to handle the second leg of a back-to-back. And as far as the actual matchup goes, Cornell, the top two-point offense in the the Ivy. In fact, they're the top two-point offense in the country and they are the second-best two-point defense in the conference as well. Harvard, the worst three-point shooting team in the Ivy so far. So you're saying, well, you're going against the best or second-best two-point defense, you're going to have to shoot. They've shot 27% in league play. Cornell, also the best turnover-creating defense, and Harvard, the second-worst turnover offense I, this Cornell team is the best team in the Ivy. They they proved that last weekend. They obliterated Princeton. They aren't perfect. They're they're going to lose a game at some point in this conference. It might might be next weekend against Yale uh, at Yale. But I, I think they're on a different level than this Harvard team. It's just kind of a shell of what they were last season. Harvard two and six ATS at home. Their only games against solid Ivy competition. Blowout loss lost by thirteen at home against Yale. Lost by thirty one at Princeton again, I, I think Cornell's the best team, the team to beat in the Ivy this season. so I'm and i Ivy travel is not a big deal Ro- home road in the Ivy League is historically one of the it matters less than a, a lot of other conferences um so i'm I'm gonna go with the road team here as a favorite. I know you're you're not happy about that, <laughs> but give me Cornell minus three at Harvard. What do you think? am I off on this or is this a, a road favorite that you could be interested in?
1: Uh, I think I'm allergic to those, so I'm not okay. sure that, that would ever worth fit. A try. But worth a try. If I was gonna uh get rid of my shellfish allergy or whatever we're calling it here, <laughs> um I am very interested in, in Cornell. I was you had me really heavily considering them at Princeton or when they were playing Princeton, I think it was at home last weekend. Yeah. Um and that high pressure, I saw it earlier in the year at George Mason as a very slight underdog, which looked weird to me. Um, but it seemed to be a really, really tight game and one that I was pretty nervous about my George Mason bet that night. So uh, I love the Cornell back-to-back situation, especially with that 17th-ranked tempo, according to Torvik, and they're going to be putting on a ton of pressure, which I think, Will, as you said, I think I I totally agree with the handicap that Harvard's going to be in a really tough spot to try to, I guess, drum up as much energy as possible for a road press that's coming in off of a much easier Friday night game.
2: All right,
0: so that is going to do it uh, for this episode. Appreciate you guys listening. I'm excited for this weekend slate. Uh, I don't remember the last time I said that. Like, normally it's like, oh, I'm looking forward to the football, and obviously we're in a time of year where football so like the games are always so good. But this is actually like a slate of games where I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be a good day Saturday specifically uh, of college basketball. So I'm pumped for it. I uh, hope you guys are as well, and hopefully. We can uh, we can make some money on this card. Also, Griffin, appreciate the time as always. Again, forty-five minutes,
1: even forty-five yeah. minutes. Wow, that's how episode. so
0: excited you are. Yeah. Uh, again, follow Griffin at thereal underscore G Warner on Please X. You can find me at AJ is the real. Appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you on Sunday night. Looking forward to next week's card.